Well, welcome, Highway Community, to our podcast. We are continuing in our Advent series, and today the focus is on the shepherd's candle, or the candle of joy. Now, joy is an interesting concept. When I was in college, I went to a retreat for all the Christian and youth ministry majors at our school. I went to Azusa Pacific University, and I majored in youth ministry. I was a senior at the time and was asked to meet up with a freshman who was trying to figure out whether they wanted to pursue ministry as their vocation, their emphasis, or their major while they were in college. And she asked a lot of different questions, questions about my job, questions about the program itself. But one of the questions she asked stood out to me. It was a very, very simple question, and I don't know what prompted her to ask this question Maybe it was through the answers I was giving, or maybe she could just tell that something was off. But it had caught me off guard during a time that I had felt burnt out. The question was, are you happy? Are you happy? To which I stumbled and fumbled my way through an answer that didn't completely answer her question because I distinctly remember her asking me again, so are you happy? I remember thinking to myself, like, this question felt like a trap because I I didn't feel happy. If anything, I felt lonely. I was feeling hurt. I was stressed. I remember myself actually feeling shame that as a Christian, I did not feel happy. This morning, we are going to be talking about something very similar to happiness. And as many of you have probably already guessed, we're going to be talking about joy, both Joy and happiness are very closely related to each other. And during the season, we see this word joy everywhere. It's sung on the radio. We see it in commercials, bags, wrapping paper. We see it in lights, maybe from our neighbors or our own houses. Um, This word joy surrounds us in the season. But this is not quite the joy that we're focusing on this morning, because the joy that we see around us this holiday season seems to be more closely related to the happiness that I was feeling, well, not feeling when I was being asked about this retreat. The kind of joy that we are going to be focusing on is the kind of joy that we see over and over and over again in scripture. The kind of joy that we see used when Paul is writing his letters to the different churches or when the Israelites are going through the deserts, the kind of joy that we see written about in the Psalms and the kind of joy that was told during the birth of Jesus. We are about to read Luke chapter 2. This passage for many is a passage that you hear every year. It's the nativity scene. It's part of the scene that we see Linus and Charlie Brown. It's the scene that during this time of waiting, during Advent, that we are waiting, anticipating Christ's birth. In Luke chapter 2, it says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So, Just so we know, there are some things here that a lot of scholars have continued to debate about. A large part of their debate has to do with when this decree was issued, who exactly was in power during this time, and why Luke even included it in the first place. Now, what we do see here is that 
Luke does set us up for what Joseph is doing and why he is doing it. Next we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who, has, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. This is where we find Luke's previous statement important, because it informs us that Joseph is heading to Bethlehem to register himself. Now, at first glance, this doesn't seem that significant. Joseph is doing what he should be doing, registering his household because of the decree. But when we begin to peer inside of what was being anticipated from the Old Testament, Joseph going to Bethlehem has huge implications. In Micah, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, one of the prophets in the Old Testament, we read this, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Did you catch that? The mention of Bethlehem? See, these are the kinds of connections that excite me about the story, similar to what Esther talked about in last week's sermon. In Isaiah we see connections being drawn from the Old Testament prophets to this baby. This baby whom was supposedly going to change everything. This baby that will embody a symbol of hope for those who are left hopeless. This baby who will bring peace, restoration to the broken. This baby who we are to take joy in because of who he is. We read on in Luke chapter 2 verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Many of you have heard this before, but it's interesting that Luke pay, pays careful attention to the birth of this baby, to which you're probably thinking to yourself, well, duh, it's, it's Jesus. Look, I, I know it's Jesus, but entertain me for a second. We see the baby wrapped in cloths and that the baby was placed in a manger. And as many of you might know, the manger was typically a feeding trough for animals. We read that there was no guest room available. And this could actually mean a few variety of things, whether a physical inn not having any rooms for them, or maybe Bethlehem didn't have an actual inn. At one point, many thought they ended up in a cave, but at the core of this scene, we read that Mary and her child were deprived of normal comfort. See, Luke seems to be particularly interested in some of these details, and I think he's trying to paint a picture for us. Not only were they deprived of normal comfort, but we see Mary wrapping her child with a midwife. No, a nurse? No, 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 a doctor? No, 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 herself. That this was a birth seemingly isolated from others with just Mary, Joseph, and the baby. We see that this baby, the baby that we read in Micah about being a ruler over Israel, is now entering into this world in poverty, obscurity, and even rejection. And this is where the story continues to change. This is where we see a shift in the scene, and our focus, our attention is honed in to another group of characters. We look in, we look in Luke chapter 2, and we're starting at verse 8 now. 
And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Many of you might know this already, but I think it's important to continue to set the stage for us so that we can continue to see the importance of what's going on here. The shepherds are out in their fields, watching over their flock, when an angel of the Lord appears to them and terrifies them. Uh, And shepherds actually have a pretty bad reputation. And the nature of their occupation made it so that shepherds often weren't able to observe a lot of the ceremonial laws that meant a lot to the religious people. And yet, they were the ones being invited by the angel. In verse 10, we continue on, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. There's a key statement here in how the angel calls to the shepherds. It's the use of the manger as being one of the markers of how or they will know what the shepherds should be looking for. The use of cloth to wrap a baby was a common practice, but for a baby to be lying in a feeding trough, a manger, was was not. Today we look at the manger and we rarely stop to think about how odd this whole scene is. I might be the only one who does this, but you know, sometimes I'm so used to seeing an image of the manger that I just think, I know it's, I know it's a dumb thought, I know this is a really dumb thought, but I, I just think to myself that the manger, a feeding trough, was a normal way for someone to give birth back then. I know it's not true. Uh, that's just where my mind goes to whenever I see a manger. But this was not a normal occurrence. And the crazy thing is, the one who embodies this good news, this great joy for all people, is born in a feeding trough. On top of that, an angel appears right in front of the shepherds and tells them not to be afraid. And no matter how I play this out in my head, there is no way that I would not be afraid. This idea is actually pretty common in scripture too, that often God commands, or in this case, an angel of the Lord commands us to feel something that is outside of our control to do. I think sometimes God, and in this case, an angel, commands us to have emotions that we aren't ready to have yet. I recently got my booster, and this is about my fourth shot this year, give or take a few months, and I've pretty much gotten shots all my life. As a kid, I hated going to the doctor's. And I was that kid that would scream their head off with tears and snot just running down my face anytime my brother and I would go to get our shots. I'd even sometimes purposely move around so that they wouldn't be able to get a clear view of where to inject the needle. And my parents, whoever had taken me in, would always tell me, don't be afraid. You're going to be fine. It's just a small shot to which I often would not calm down to. I swear that there were probably times we went into the, uh, the doctors to get a shot and the nurse might have just pinched me to say that I got it so that we could leave. Even now, when I've gotten in to get my shots, I've had to look completely away from it. And you'll always see my thumbnails digging into my hand to distract me from the pain and fear I have of the needles. I try to be really tough sometimes uh, when it's just me getting my shots, but inside I am terrified. 
But God commands us in, in these weird moments, maybe not getting a shot, where our emotions might even just might even be justified, and yet we're commanded to do something that feels completely out of our control. We see this when the angel says, do not be afraid to the shepherds. We see this when God commands us to rejoice or to be grateful. Oftentimes, if not practically every time, we can't control these emotions. So what do we do? Shortly after the retreat that I had shared about earlier, I I went through a long and painful season of hurting. A time where it was difficult to find joy. Not just find joy, but it was actually even difficult to want to be around God at all. I was very jaded at the time. I was wounded. I was hurt. I would I would step into a Sunday service and instead of rejoicing or praising, I would immediately be thinking of cynical thoughts. I didn't trust anyone. I didn't want to read scripture. I didn't even want to pray. So I was on this journey where I didn't even really want to be in the presence of God. Just that term made me upset, presence of God. So what did I do? I prayed. I know it sounds simple. I actually almost took this out because of how too simple it felt. But I will say the prayers that I had prayed then were different than the prayers that I normally would pray. These were simple yet honest prayers. They often went something like, God, I am so mad right now. I don't want to forgive. At least get me a place to where I'm okay with forgiving. God, get me to a place where I want to be in your presence again. God, I don't feel joy right now. I don't even want to I don't even want to feel joy right now, but get me to a place where I might be curious about it. And it's these baby steps that I think God begins to work in our lives. It's these baby steps that allows us to begin to ask for help from those around us if help is needed to start to cool off so that we might be open to whatever it is God might be calling us into. It's in these moments that begin to remind us that God, the God that we are praying to, this God understands that he listens, he sees, he cares for us, wherever we might be with him. The angel of the Lord that terrifies the shepherds commands the shepherds to not be afraid. I don't know exactly what they did next, but something obviously shifted from being terrified to what we're about to read. In verse 13, it says, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The shepherds immediately went. This event, the angel appearing and telling them to go look for this baby who was wrapped in cloth and in a feeding trough, a manger, warranted to them to go, to do something, and they went. They responded. They went to experience whatever it was that this angel was telling them about, to see what this good news was, to maybe even experience this great joy that was for all people. See, when we reread, rehear the story about Jesus' birth, we are re-invited into the joy of Jesus' arrival. 
The third candle of Advent reminds us of the joy of Jesus' arrival and invites us, just like the shepherds were invited, to share that joy with others as we animate the story of Jesus with our lives. This morning, we talked a little bit about happiness. I shared about that question I was asked, if I was happy. But Jesus' birth goes beyond many of our own understandings of happiness. Because happiness is an emotion. It's a state of being, a feeling that is, and here's the biggest difference, dependent on your current circumstances. It's dependent on your current circumstances, your situations, what you are going through at the moment. But the birth of Jesus was an event that extended far beyond the circumstances. See, most of the time, the happiness that we experience is because of our circumstances. But the joy that is described a lot in Scripture says, despite the circumstances. The story that we read every year that we experience every year invites us into this understanding. It invites us into a story that is for the ones who are like Mary and Joseph, for the ones who are like the shepherds, the ones who are hurting, the ones who are living in poverty, in obscurity, in rejection, in depression, in isolation. This story acts as a reminder for us to see and anticipate what this baby is about to bring with his life during his first coming and will continue to invite us in as we wait for Jesus' return as the triumphant king in his second coming. This is a kind of story that invites us to seek joy like the shepherds, even when our circumstances say otherwise. And we are able to speak joy not because of what, but because of the who the season anticipates. As we reflect on the candle of joy and our challenge to seek joy in our lives, we're also caught in the middle of the reality of what is and yet to come. The reality that this story hasn't finished. The reality that there is still pain and suffering in our lives. Paul writes about this a lot. He writes in many of his letters like Philippians while he is sitting in prison suffering, yet he writes about the joy he has in Christ. Paul does not just dismiss the suffering that he is in, but many times calls out the suffering that he is experiencing. We're not supposed to dismiss, suppress, or ignore our sorrow. We see Paul express a lot of his grief about how he misses the church that he, will be, that he might be writing to. He might miss his friends. And at many other points during Paul's journey, he expresses sorrow and pain. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he lists a few different hardships that the early church undergoes. And in verse 10, he says, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. See, Paul chooses joy, the same joy that we see when we step into the narrative of Jesus being born, that the birth of Jesus embodies for us not only salvation and forgiveness, but it displays what is about to be. That death does not have the final word, that the suffering we feel now is not the end, that there will one day be a day full of joy, full of rejoicing, where there will be no more suffering, where there will be no death, 
This is what Paul leans into. This is what we're invited into when we see, hear, and repeat this Christmas story. That our loss, grief, pain, our suffering, depression, our loneliness does not have the final word. That we have an opportunity to put our hope, to put our faith, to have joy in not the what, but the who. Here at Highway, we have a service that we call The Longest Night. It's an evening that creates a space for those who are finding it difficult to find joy in the season. And even if you're finding it easy to choose joy in the season, I want to encourage you to consider attending future events because it's important for us to gather as a community in the times that are joyful as well as the times that may not be to gather together. We normally host this service in the evening. This year in 2021, it will be on December 12th at 8 p.m., where we will be providing both an in-person and online gathering. If you like more information, you can connect with us on our website at highway.org. Let's pray. God, as we enter into the Advent season and see all the decorations, the glamour, the joyful music, may we remember that we take joy not in the what, but the who. God, would you be with those of us who are walking through this season with heavy hearts? As we all navigate both the goods and the bads of this life, help us to learn what it looks like to seek joy. Help us to look forward to the day where there will be no more suffering, no more death. God, in this season, we reenact waiting, anticipating your son. God be with us. Amen.